Good morning. It's great to see you all. It's always awesome to come together on Sunday mornings to worship the great I am. To worship the God that was, the God that is, and the God who is to come. I hope you're excited to be here this morning. I know this is a what? A three-day weekend? Tomorrow is the 4th of July. I haven't received any invites yet. (laughs) Welcome to the New York City Church of Christ. It's great to see you all. On Friday night, my wife and I had a chance to be with the campus ministry. They meet on a place in Manhattan, and I took this picture from the 17th floor of where they have their devotionals. It was an all New York City, all New Jersey campus devo. It was awesome. I can honestly tell you, my wife and I walked away from Friday night feeling very encouraged knowing that the future is bright. We got some awesome young men and women in the campus ministry, and I can't wait to see what havoc they're going to wreck for Jesus Christ in this lifetime. Amen? I was also converted on the campus many, many years ago. And so looking at that room, I was so encouraged because they have their entire lives in front of them. And so I really want to urge us and encourage us to be praying for our campus ministry. They are awesome men and women of God. On a sad note, today is uh, our brother Andrew Sinclair's last Sunday. Bro, we love you. We're going to miss you. He's moving to South Florida. When he logs in on Wednesday nights, I can always tell when he's there. Because he will say grace and peace to you all. And so, brother, right back at you, grace and peace as you move to Florida. We're going to miss you. I hope somebody else in here is going to pick up that mantle. Amen? There are many, many refrains In the Bible, there are many phrases that God repeats several times. As you and I read the Bible, God will tell us, do not be afraid. It's all over the place. And I believe that when we see such refrains, we need to pay attention. Because God is trying to help us to focus on something. There are also times in the scriptures... When God will say, trust me, put your faith in me, regardless of what is going on in your world and in this world. There are times in scripture, God will call us to persevere, to hang in there and to not give up. There are times in scripture, God will tell us to flee from sin. It doesn't say run, it says flee where you take off because sin will ruin your life and will ruin mine. 
There are many times in the Bible when God will tell us, remember. Don't forget this. There are times in the scriptures when God will call us to love and to continue to love. And I believe the reason why God takes the time to repeat himself so many times in the Bible is because you and I, we tend to forget. We get to, we get to be distracted by so many things that are going on in our lives. And obviously, God also calls us to pray without ceasing, to be men and women of prayer, to always making sure that we're bringing our requests and our issues before his throne on a daily basis. So this morning, I want to talk to us about one of these refrains, and that is the refrain to stand firm. The refrain to stand firm. It's all over the Bible, and we're going to be looking at some passages this morning. Again, I don't know what you're going through this morning, but there is a God in heaven. Are you with me? I've been studying this stuff out the entire week, and I had no idea what Randolph and Claudia were going to share this morning. And as he said, you know, turn to Psalm 42, and I'm going to be reading verse 11. I just smiled and said, there goes the Holy Spirit again. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen? Because of God, brothers and sisters, you and I can stand firm. Let's talk about that this morning very quickly. In Exodus chapter 14, in verse 13, you know the story. The Israelites are on their way to the promised land. Pharaoh finally let them go. They're before the Red Sea. And Pharaoh and his army are bearing down on them. And Moses answered the people in verse 13. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Amen? We have such passages throughout the entire Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, I love this one too. It says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen? Let's look at another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Amen? Amen? And so you may be asking this morning, why does God continually tell us to stand firm? To not allow anything to move us? To stand firm, brothers and sisters, means you remain 
immovable. You remain steadfast. Even if you are the last one standing. You standing firm may be the means for holding others up. Have you ever seen a situation where you walk into a place and everybody's losing their mind? Except this one guy telling everybody, everything's going to be okay. That needs to be you and me. Amen? Because of whose we belong to. Because our Father is sovereign. Our God is alive. Amen? We just sang it. And again, I had no idea we were going to sing that song this morning. The great I am. Are you with me? God knows that if we are not careful, the situations in life will get to us. And it will shake our faith. World events can cause us to get anxious and it can cause us to worry. My wife and I went to the grocery store the other day. And you know, you know how it is, you're filling up the cart and then you get up front and they tell you your total. I know I've been hearing on the news there's inflation. I was like, oh my goodness. Inflation put a huge dent in my wallet. And you're going through the same thing. It's so easy to allow these things to get to us. Amen? And so, you know, food is more expensive. Gas is more expensive. Everything is more expensive. We can allow such things to throw, off, to throw us off our game. Are you with me? I don't know what the inflation rate is. But as you and I are seated here, there are people somewhere else in this world dealing with 40% inflation in the economy. I want you to imagine gas being $10 a gallon. That's what some people are dealing with in some part of this world, as you and I see it here. So I'm saying to us, as bad as this may look, there are people in other places in the world who will gladly pay $5.75 for gas or whatever it is we're paying these days. Are you with me? Praise God for the New York subway. My wife and I, we have a car, but we hardly drive it. I actually drive it only to church on Sundays. And I can't remember the last time I filled up the gas tank. So we walk everywhere and we take the subway. I've not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I've not figured out the buses yet. And so I'm not going to get on the bus yet. There are too many numbers. I'm amazed. Some of us will go, oh, yeah, you need to get on this B something. I was like, how do you even know that? I mean, there's so many turns in, in Brooklyn. How do I know this, this bus is going to make a turn over here? I, I don't know that. But the, 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 uh, the subway, I can read. Okay. I get up at this station and I change over here and I go this many stops. That I can handle. That works for me. But my point is, you can't allow all this stuff that's going on in the world to get to you. God says, stand firm. Very, very important. You see, the last two weeks, 
I've received phone calls, people saying, you know, what, what do you think of the ruling by the Supreme Court on Roe v. Wade? What do you think of the ruling when the Supreme Court basically said, you know what, New Yorkers can now carry their guns outside of the house? How do you feel about all this stuff? The way I've always felt. God is in control. I can't let all these daily, weekly, monthly stuff throw me off my game. Are you with me? The Bible is my constitution. It has always been. Amen? The U.S. Constitution is not the standard by which I live. It never was. Hello? And so I can't allow all this stuff to bother me. Murder is murder in the Bible. Whether it's by abortion or by gun violence, it's still murder. Amen? We got to be careful that we don't get sucked into all these politics. Okay? Are you with me? Because these guys have turned everything into a political issue. The same guys that are saying, oh, abortion is wrong, and it's sin, and it's right, and they're right. They're sleeping with their girlfriends. They're cheating on their wives. They're asking their girlfriends to go get abortions. And they'll get in front, of the, in front of the camera, very sanctimonious. Don't get thrown off. It's all politics. If the Bible says it, we are going to do it. If it's not in the Bible, I'm not interested. Are you with me? And so you can't allow these things to throw you off your game. Amen? Now, I'm thankful the... Um, over the weekend, I believe the, uh, the governor of New York and the legislature, they, they came up with a new law just restricting places where you can carry your, 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 your gun into. Guess what? Churches are included. Schools. The subway. Buses. Anywhere where people gather in public. So much so that they're telling, quote-unquote, people that want People to be able to walk into the establishment with a gun, that's okay, but you have to post it. But I'm saying to you, you should not allow all these things to bother you. Amen? Because again, for instance, the Bible says that you and I should keep our heads in all situations. What does that mean? It means somebody cuts me off in traffic. I, don't lo I can't lose it. I can't pull up next to him and start yelling. Because what if he has something in his glove compartment and he just pulls it out and shoots me? Again, I got to follow the Bible. And when I follow the Bible, I'm going to keep myself out, out of a lot of trouble. Are you with me? The Bible tells us, for instance, in Proverbs, that you see two people fighting? Don't go poke your nose in there and try and separate them. Because they will turn on you. Are you with me? And so all I'm saying to us this morning is this. Whatever it is you do, whatever it is I'm doing, I need to be obeying the scriptures because this is my constitution. Amen? And it starts by in the beginning. God did this. It doesn't say we the people. This is way above the U.S. constitution. Can I get an amen? This is what you and I as Christians live by.
and we are not going to apologize for it. Amen? And so don't let all this stuff bother you. It shouldn't. You know what's so amazing about all this stuff that's going on right now? The devil has already moved on to something else. All this stuff is just to divide us. He's already moved on to something else. And people are like, we need to stop it and not get involved in it. This world and its desires are passing away. That's what my Bible says. But the man or the woman of God who stands will live forever. Amen? That's what we got to be focusing on. This world is a mess. We live in a falling world. It's not getting any better. It's getting worse. You see, the fact that my foundation is in Jesus is what should keep me and you going every single day. Amen? Brothers and sisters, we need to stand firm. We stand firm. It's okay. Heaven is going to be very noisy in case you haven't noticed. There's going to be a lot of kids there, a lot of babies. I like that noise. Amen? We need to stand firm because the word is our foundation. We need to stand firm because Jesus is our rock, is our refuge, and is our shield. We need to stand firm because our hope is built on Jesus and not on anything in this world. Amen? We have each other. Our God is constant and never changes. The Bible says it's not like shifting shadows. Amen? Politicians come and go. Countries come and go. Nations come and go. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen? Even that as Christians, that we are, you and I have been pushed to the margins of a hostile society. We cannot afford and we will not surrender our convictions or retreat in fear. It is not going to happen. It is not going to happen. Not on my watch. Amen? By God's grace, we have the truth that this world badly needs. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18? You can write the reference down. He's talking to Peter. And he says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. Amen? Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? I do. And so I don't get sucked up into what's happening in this world. We are the church. Amen? The devil has been trying since Genesis 3 to mess up God's creation. He's still at it. He's not going to stop. We know how he operates. Tomorrow is a holiday for us, but guess what? The devil doesn't take a vacation. He never has. He's roaming back and forth looking for someone to devour. That's what my Bible teaches. And so, yes, you may be grilling tomorrow and going, go visit family, whatever. You better make sure you spend time with God in the morning. Amen? Don't, don't take a vacation. Don't take the day off in that sense. The most important appointment that you and I have every single day is our time with God. Amen? You know, sometimes, you know, I hear people say, well, this is my truth. What does that even mean? 
There is only one absolute truth. And it's right here. You may have your truth. God bless you. This is the truth. Remember what Jesus said in John? I am the way, the life, and what? The truth. No one comes to God except through me. You and I have staked our lives on that. Amen? All this stuff about, oh, there's so many roads that lead to heaven. That's a bunch of nonsense. Total rubbish. Jesus is either telling the truth or he's lying. I have staked my life. You have staked your life on the fact that he's the only truth. Truth is not relative. There's only one truth. And that's Jesus. Amen? Well, I don't believe that. You're going to find out very soon. Guess what? There are no atheists on the other side. Not one. The moment people leave this place, in terms of this earth, and they breathe their last, and they wake up on the other side, most people are not going, yes, praise the Lord. Most people are going, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, my goodness. I am in trouble. But it's too late. It's over. And they're begging and pleading to do it over. They say, ah, you had your chance. I sent so many people to you. That guy living upstairs in your building, inviting you to church, and you making excuses. Inviting you to Bible discussion. Saying, let's get into the Bible. You never took the time. It's too late now. Father, please send me back. Give me a, no, no, nobody gets second chance. You, you got your chance. It's too late now. And so I'm saying to you this morning, you are not sitting here this morning by accident. The Holy Spirit has been walking. The question is, would you listen? The other day I was out just walking on my prayer walk, and, um, and I saw this gentleman sitting on a bench, and he had a walker in front of him. And it was actually reading the Bible. And as I walked by, I saw him, and I nodded, and I said, you know, you know how we black people do. I see you. <laughs> and so I nodded, and I kept on going. And so some of my spirits said, turn around and go say hello. And as I was walking back to him, I said, you know what? I'm going to ask him, do you understand what you're reading? And so I said, I said, sir, I said, you know, good afternoon. My name is Richard. He says, what's your name? He says, my name is Russell. I said, do you understand what you're reading? He goes, no, I'm trying. And we started to talk. He's 85 years old. I said, sir, you do not look 85. I said, I hope I'm as good looking as you when I turn 85. I said, where do you live? And he pointed to his building right there. His brother started a church. And his, bro his brother passed away three years ago. And he took it over. I said, you know what? I'm going to call you. We need to talk. Because I'm sure he's doing his best. He had his walker in front of him. But I listened to the Spirit of God inside of me saying, turn around. And I did. And I'm glad. And we exchanged phone numbers. I'm sure there are churches, some, you know, front, storefront church here in Rockaway. You see, you never know who the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to. 
And when the Holy Spirit has led people into your life, are you listening? Because we only, we, all of us get one chance at this life, and we can't afford to mess it up. Amen? A few months ago, a brother was teaching in the Westchester region, and he said, what is truth? And the brother said, truth is God's perspective on any issue. And I heard that, I said, you know what, he's right. Truth is God's perspective on any issue. In other words, if the Bible says it, that settles it. Amen? That means I can have my own truth. That means you can have your own truth because it's here. It's settled. Now, if the Bible doesn't say anything about it, then you can have your own opinion. But just remember, that's all it is. It's your opinion. Okay? I can't show you, read chapter 5, verse 17. It's not in the Bible. Are you with me? So it's okay to have your opinion when the Bible is silent about something. But once the Bible says something about an issue, that settles it. Amen, church? Stand firm. So again, I'm asking you this morning, how are you doing? Are you allowing stuff to get to you? The day after I met this gentleman, I'm again heading towards out to go on my prayer walk, and I was really looking forward to it. And I looked at him and I said, okay, I need to come back so I can move my car uh, for street sweeping so I don't get a ticket. And uh, as I was walking, I saw an empty parking space on the other side of the road. I said, wait a second. I think I can park my car there. That way, that, I don't have to rush back. And uh, a car pulled up. And I was about to pull into it. I said, ah. And the guy kept on going. So I took a second look. Oh, he left me the spot. And without realizing, I hit a, you know those little barriers they put around the trees? And I hit it. And I took a tumble. And I had this huge gash underneath right here. And I sat there dazed. Two gentlemen came and helped me. Are you okay? Are you okay? They kept on walking to me, walking towards me. I couldn't talk. And so they helped me up. And I just said, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. My keys flew into the shrubbery. They were helping me find for it, look for it. And they looked at my hand and said, you need to go to the emergency room. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll be fine. I'm, 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 you know, I'm hurting. There's a gash here, the gash here. And so I said, you know, I'm still, I'm still very close to home. So I said, let me just go home. Sarah would dress me up, and she did a fantastic job. She dressed me up and everything. Because I said, you know, if I go to the emergency room, they're going to send me a bill of $1,000. <laughs> Even in my pain, I could say, you know, mm, let, me, let me just go home. <laughs> it's drying up now. I mean, this stuff was all red last week. And, uh, but I'm thankful. I'm healing. I've not been able to go back into that park to pray since last week. So what have I done? I've just stayed in the apartment and prayed. It's very important that you and I stand firm. That no matter what happens, we don't allow the devil to throw us off our game. Amen? Very, very important. So how do we stand firm? The reason why we can stand firm and not panic, excuse me, is because God is in control. There's only one reason why you shouldn't panic, why I shouldn't panic. And that's God, and that's it. Amen? You're God's child. 
You're God's son. You're God's daughter. He cares about you. He loves you. Amen? You need to remember that every single day. In Psalm 40, in verse 1, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my foot on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. Amen? I love this passage. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He's heard your cry. He's heard my cry. God's going to lift you up at the appropriate time. Amen? You know, through prayer and waiting on God patiently, we learn to stand firm. You and I will like things done quickly. I love to eat, but I don't love to cook. You know why? I don't like waiting. Some of you guys are great cooks in here, and you're good. Okay, I don't know how you do it. Where you, you, know, you prepare all this stuff, and then you put it in the oven, or you, you start frying. It's like, I, I don't know how you do it. I'm so thankful that my, love, my, my wife loves to cook. And so, when Sarah is in the kitchen, I got one question. What time is the food going to be ready? <laughs> and she would tell me, in an hour or in 45 minutes. Okay. And for me, from that point on, the clock starts to tick. <laughs> and she would text me, the food is ready. Now come on out. <laughs> Thank you. And I would help myself. You're laughing because you do the same thing. <laughs> I, I know I'm not the only person in here. But I don't like to wait. But this passage tells us that we need to wait on God. Amen? We need to wait on God. Abraham waited 25 years. To get Isaac. Guys, that's a long time ago. 25 years. 25 years ago, I was in Nairobi, Kenya. My daughter was just born, my younger daughter. That's a long time ago. That's how long Abraham had to wait for, to, for him to get Isaac. But he had to wait patiently. You remember Joseph? He waited 13 years. From when his brother sold him into slavery for him to become, quote unquote, the prime minister of Egypt. 13 years. How about Moses? You remember Moses? Moses waited 40 years for him to go call the people, the Israelites out of Egypt. 40 years. David, you, know, you remember David? From the moment Samuel anointed him as king, he waited 22 years before he ascended the throne. 22. How about Jesus? Jesus waited 30 years before starting his ministry. His ministry was just for three years. Go read the scriptures. 
He was about 30 when he started his ministry. So for 30 years, he had to be patient. He had to wait for on God. It's about God's timing. Church, do you, do, you, do you hear me? Now, you can fret and you can get anxious all you want. God is not going to move any faster. I'm going to say that again. He's not human like us. Remember, he sees the big picture. He knows what is going on. And guess what? He knows what he's doing. So you can't say, God, hurry up, hurry up. The guy's going to look at you. Are, you. are you talking to me? Amen? Patiently waiting on God. If God is making you wait, guess what? You're in good company. Because he's making all of us wait. Amen? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 15. So dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. There it is again. And hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you. Whether by word of mouth or by letter. Stand firm on God's word. Amen? People sometimes ask me. How come you have such deep convictions about the word? I've been at this stuff a long time. That's where they come from. You're going to get there one day, amen? I'm going to say that again. You're going to get there one day, amen? I remember as a young Christian. I was so excited being a Christian, I stopped studying. I was just inviting people to church. And so that semester, I did, I did lousy. And they put me on probation. And my mother actually got on a plane. Okay, you need, you need to slow down this church stuff. I was so discouraged for the first time, I didn't want to go to church. And this brother called me up. He said, come on, I'm going to save you a seat next to me. I was crying the entire service. And he said, Richard, you're going to be fine. You just get back into the books. God is not going to do this study for you. Oh, boy, did I make that mistake? He said, just get back into the books. And I looked at him. I said, man, you are so steadfast. Nothing gets to you. And you know what he said? He said, one day, you're going to get to this point where things are not going to get to you. Because I've been, a, I've been a Christian for so many years. And that's why my hope is in God. And I, look, I looked at him and I said, really? He said, yeah. And so, be careful that you don't compare your convictions to the convictions of other people. Because you don't know what that person has done through for them to get to that point. Oh, if you only knew. My Bible says perseverance breeds character. When people start telling you what they've been through in their life, and you know that you're going to go through your own. Because if you want to get to where they're going or where they're at, God is going to put you through all that stuff. Are you with me? 
you know, one of my favorite verses in, the, in Psalm 23 is when it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Amen? We live in a fallen world. I was talking to a young couple the other day. And they were talking about how, you know, they, they, they're talking about, did they want to bring kids into this messed up world? They're actually thinking about it. Because this world is messed up. It's not getting any better. But that was the discussion they were having. And they were seeking my input. And I said, you know what? You need to have some babies. As long as you make sure that as mom and dad, you are training them up with this. Not as the world does, but as, the, as what's in here. Are you with me? And it starts by your personal example. Your personal example. And I forget here. One day, this guy comes to church one day, and after church, he comes to me, he goes, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. He goes, uh, I, Pastor, I need your help. He says, how do I get my kids to know God and, and to live as Christians? And uh, uh, I, I need some help. And I smiled and I said, are you following God? He says, not really, but I, I really want my kids to, to really get to know this God. I said, great question, but I said, you need to start first. I said, because you can't pass down what you don't have. And that's how he started studying the Bible. He and his wife. And they were coming to church every single day. And they became Christians. And now two of their kids are now Christians. Amen? Because again, our kids are watching our example. Very, very important. But we stand firm on God's word. Those, those convictions don't develop overnight. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in verse 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, I love this passage, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Amen? Here's another reason we can stand firm. All God's promises are yes in Christ. Every last one of them. Amen? They are all yes in Christ. Can I get an amen? amen? The God who has brought you this far will not abandon you. Oh, I won't say that again. You and I have come this far by faith. And the God that has brought you to this point will not abandon you. Because every promise he's made in the world will come to pass. Now, maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. You're going to have to learn to wait. Like Abraham, like Moses, like David. But they will come to pass. They are all yes in Christ Jesus. Amen? We moved here about two years ago. It was two years come the end of October. And uh, I think I've said this so many times before, but I, I need to say it again. Because people keep asking. And 
Hopefully, I'm going to say it again this morning, and this will end the matter. When we moved here, we told Sam Powell and the elders that this is it. We're not going anywhere else. And so, we love Brooklyn. Every single day, I get, I'm getting to know the, the borough. And um, I was going on a prayer walk the other day, and I ran into my neighbor. And they said, oh, did you get a letter from the landlord? I said, what, what letter? And she said, he's increasing, increasing our rent to this amount. I said, what? I kid you not. I went like that. I said, what? Okay. So I got back home. I told Sarah, I said, we need to start finding a place. And so it has several weeks. I've been online just looking, just looking. And I'm not going to lie to you. It's been discouraging. It has been discouraging. It's not because homes are expensive. I don't like being in debt. I just don't. And here I am. I'm about to go into the biggest debt that I've ever had in my life. And it's been unsettling. But this is what's kept me going. Now, I don't know how God's going to work this stuff out, but somehow he will. Amen? Because instead of paying all this rent to this landlord, I might as well go buy me a house and use, and use that rent money to service the loan. Amen? And I want it to be here in Brooklyn. I can go to Staten Island and buy a cheaper house. I can go to Long Island and get a cheaper house. But that's going to mean I have to commute at least an hour every day. I don't want to do that. And besides, it means very awkward. I, I, you know, I invite somebody to church. I tell them I'm a pastor of a church in Brooklyn. And they say, where do you live? Oh, I live over here in Timbuktu. That, that makes no sense. I want to say, I'm over here. I'm over there, right here in Brooklyn. So I say all that for you guys to pray for us. Okay? I'm very serious about this. But it's been discouraging looking at home prices. Now I know where the million-dollar homes are. And I know... Where, okay, over here, mm-hmm, I know, mm-hmm, over here, okay. Here's what, what, what I can afford. It's okay. Amen? I'm not going to kill myself. Amen? But I'm going to continue to trust my God. Because God hasn't brought me this far to now abandon me. Amen? But it's been discouraging. You know, I think sometimes you guys, look, like our Richard has got it all figured out. All I do is I go before God, and then I get up, and I go about my business. Amen? And I know in his own time, he'll take care of that problem for me. All right? The reason why things don't get to me is because Jesus is in charge. That's what he says in Matthew 28, verse 18. You know it. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to who? To me. Jesus is in charge. That's why you and I can stand firm. Jesus is still on the throne. Now, if God abdicated, we are in trouble. But he's not going to do that. Amen? He's the king of kings, and he's never going to get off that throne. Every day as you pray about things in your life, Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father on his throne, 
And he's saying, Lord, today is the day we get to answer that prayer. And they're going to summon the angel, say, go take care of that for him. Go take care of that for her. And then God's going to do it for you. And then you're going to get on the phone and you're going to start texting disciples. Guess what? This just happened. Amen? That is the kind of God that we serve. I need to wrap this stuff up. I love this passage. And I'm just going to read it because there's so much in here. And I hope this passage, along with all those that I put on the screen this morning, will truly help you understand how awesome and the God that you serve. And the, the reason why you and I can stand firm no matter what happens. He says, listen to me. You who pursue righteousness, that's us, and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were caught from which you were cut, and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man, and I blessed him and made him many. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. Instruction will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way. And my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Hear me. You who know what is right. You people who have taken my instruction to heart, do not fear the reproach of mere mortals or be terrified by their insults. Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made a road in the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over? I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mere mortals? Human beings who are but grass. That you forget the Lord your maker who stretches out the heavens and who lays the foundation of the earth. That you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction. For where is the wrath of the oppressor? For I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I who set the heavens in place, who laid the foundations of the earth, and who said to Zion, you are my people. You know, I'm, I'm sitting at my desk yesterday, working on this lesson, and trying to figure out how I'm going to end it. And I get this text message. All these passages. My wife had gone out to study the Bible with somebody. And she texted me this passage. And I just said, wow. Thank you, God. This is the way I'm supposed to be ending this lesson. My wife Sarah sent me this. I don't think it was accident. Even when I was putting this stuff together. Amen? 
God is good. God has always been there. This is the reason why you and I can stand firm. You're a child of God. I'm a child of God. Like Claudia started to share in her welcome in Psalm 121. Since I lift up my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Brothers and sisters, this is why we can stand firm. Jesus is still on the throne. I'm going to say a prayer now so that we can get a chance to partake of the Lord's Supper together. No matter what is going on, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for being our God. Thank you for being the God who knows us through and through. Father, forgive us for the times we've been rattled by the things of this world. Forgive us, Father, when we've taken our eyes off of you. Forgive us when we've been worried and not totally trusted you. Father, we thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for us. We know that one day he will come back individually to come take us home. Father, until then, we ask you that you keep us safe. Thank you, Father, for his body that was broken on the cross. We thank you for the wine that we're about to receive, which represents the blood that he shed. Father, we know that you are the only way. You are the only truth. Thank you for opening up our eyes. I pray for those who are studying your word. I pray they will run towards you. And truly, also want to participate in this awesome relationship that we can have with you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for Jesus. We pray all this in this precious name. Amen.